0: That grips the mess without fear of tearing. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer.
3: As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer.
2: Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com.
1: Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of five, an author, journalist, and speaker.
3: And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, a practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds.
2: Here
1: we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 283, airing in sort of the middle of January of 2023, I'm going to be interviewing Dana K. White, who is known online as a slob comes clean. We talk a little bit about that wording, slob. Neither of us love it, but that is what she is known at for now. But she's very much into accessible organizing and decluttering. And indeed, her book titles are definitely oriented that way. She's got one called Organizing for the Rest of Us, Another that is decluttering at the speed of life, and finally, I think this might be my favorite title, "How to Manage Your Home without Losing your Mind." And lots of people love Dana because she's not going to show you the Instagram perfect sort of this is what it should be. She also assumes you have a million things going on in your life so you can't take all your possessions out and put them on the floor and doesn't immediately be done with it. She also makes it clear you are not going to be done with decluttering forever. So like put that thought right out of your mind. It's going to keep happening. So I really enjoyed talking with her. Sarah, I'm curious, you have made many decluttering goals in your life. Are are there particular clutter issues that you think are an issue for you personally?
3: Well, more for our household. (laughs) So the kids' rooms are a continual source of I just never feel done and I guess I wouldn't care that much except I feel like what happens is like there are certain toys or items that the only purpose they seem to have is to make a mess. It's like two minutes are spent playing with them and like yet I feel like I've cleaned them up 80 times and I just would like my life to have less of those things in it and some of the kids rooms definitely my husband (laughs) sometimes starts projects and doesn't finish them now to his credit. There are certain projects that I would probably never start on my own. So it's good that he starts it. But then the messy middle might linger for a long time. For example, our garage started getting cleared out and a bunch of toys and our kids sleepaway camp gear are in our bedroom and have been there for mm, three months now. I need his help to complete the project, but I can't blame him because I probably wouldn't have even started the project on my own. So, yes, those kind of things are a pain point. And then finally, there are certain surfaces in the kitchen that I just want to be clear. Like, just, I don't know. Like, it makes me feel better when they're clear. And yet, they just suck up papers and kid detritus like there's a vacuum incorporated into them. So, those are my trouble zones. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely... I like to have the kitchen counter clear. I don't know what it is. I like to have it be clear. That just makes me feel like everything is more under control. And of course, that's where people dump stuff because it's very central, right? That's why people dump it there. And, you know, I, I do my best to help everyone move stuff along if things go to their place. And then Michael, bless him, We'll get the big idea that like, let's put lots of candy bowls on the kitchen counter like for snacks for the people. I'm like, no, no, not that, not that. It's this one spot that I want to have. So I moved like the little snack bowls over to the side cupboard, right? So people could grab stuff from there. And he's like, I don't think that's a good spot for them. I I think it should be more central, (laughs) like moving them back. No, 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 you're not getting it anyway. But, you know, we still have boxes from the move. It's just, it's never urgent, the stuff that's in it we clearly don't need the move having happened a year ago. So that's a project that probably needs to happen at some point. But yeah, I'm scared of the messy middle. We talk about Dana and I talk about that, that, you know, especially when you do have a complex life, things happen. And so you can't get all this time to organize. And so then if you wind up with piles, you feel even worse than than if if it was, you know, you never started in the first place. People should check out So Dana K. White has a lot of excellent YouTube videos where she talks through different cleaning and organizing techniques. So if one of your goals for 2023 is to have a neater home, doesn't have to be magazine perfect, but if your goal is just to have a more functional, neater home, she has lots of easily digestible tips, usually about 10-minute videos that she's very engaging. So I definitely check out listening to her.
3: My favorite YouTube is Planner YouTube and Organizing YouTube. So I'm super excited to check that out. And on a related note, Best Laid Plans is now on YouTube. So if you're looking for yet another source of distraction, you can go ahead and check that out. After you've watched all of Dana's organizing videos, you can check out my Planner Stack for 2023.
1: Yeah. Sarah is now on YouTube putting out content in her new life as a content creator. Well, she was doing this forever, but now that she's Branched out and doing more things. So definitely check out Sarah on YouTube as well. And in the meantime, here we are interviewing Dana K. White on organizing for the rest of us. Well, Sarah and I are delighted to welcome Dana K. White to the program. So,
2: Dana, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? I'm Dana K. White. We were just talking about why I put the K in there. I put the K in there because there's a guy named Dana White who is not me, but he's super famous. He's the UFC guy. So like a lot of times husbands will be like, Dana White. Oh, she talks about (laughs) cleaning and organizing. So I am the one who talks about decluttering, primarily home maintenance, stuff like that. But it all comes from the perspective of this was the thing I was terrible at. Like I, my house was a total disaster. And so I wanted to be a writer. And back in 2009, I basically made a compromise because I wouldn't start writing because my house was such a disaster. I was like, no, 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 I got to get this figured out first. And so it was like my compromise to figure out my house. I thought I would make it perfect in a couple of months and then write about things I felt qualified to write about. And it is now much past 2009 and I am still writing about the same thing, but it's because I've learned a lot. I've learned how to keep my house under control. I've also learned that this is part of my personality for it to be a struggle for me. And trying to use traditional decluttering and organizing advice was what was causing the problem. Like, it was never going to work for me to do it the way that other people did it because that's just not how my brain works. So I found what does work for me. And this is what I write about now.
1: Yeah. And your your online persona, I mean, when people aren't Googling the UFC guy... <laughs> you call yourself a slob comes clean. I'm very curious about that word slob. I mean, what do you mean by that? Like, what was the state of chaos in your
2: life with regards to your your stuff? Yeah. So I have to be clear that I hate that word. Like, I didn't want to use that word. But again, in the beginning, this was supposed to be temporary. I had made up a fake name. I was calling myself Noni, which is short for anonymous. I made that up, you know. But (laughs) I had no intention of anyone knowing it was me. And I used the word slob because that's the word that came to me in this moment where I had this idea to do this temporary thing to keep myself on track. And so I couldn't think of another word. I was wanting to be a writer, but I couldn't think of another word, you know. But I'm ultimately glad I used that word because, first of all, you know, even though, yes, I was using a fake name, I had already used the worst possible word, right? Like I had admitted this thing that i had always i had always said but i'm not a slob i'm not a slob and i was like okay i've already said slob now there's no point in trying to pretend and so it forced me kind of into being completely honest about what my house was like but it also ultimately helped me as people identified i was like oh this is how my brain works that was like oh okay i am a creative person and i really struggle on my house A lot of creative people also struggle in their house. I didn't know that before I started. But I went, oh, okay, this is part of who I am. Anyway, but as far as what my house was like, it's not like I couldn't have people over. I just needed two weeks to get ready. (laughs) (laughs) So I would spend the first week decluttering, which I wasn't actually decluttering. I was stuff shifting. I was shoving everything in the master bedroom because that was the door that I could lock. And then I would spend the second week cleaning because I you know, even though I like things clean, I couldn't get to all my surfaces because they were covered in stuff. So I generally had a room in my house that was completely unusable. And it kind of shifted from place to place because I would try to get that room under control, but I wouldn't actually declutter. I just moved the things around. And so then another space would become completely unusable. And my house as a whole was consistently very, very, very embarrassingly messy. Like I did not want to have people over. I, when I say two weeks, I actually mean that. Like it's it's funny and I say, ha, ha, ha. But I literally would pretend I wasn't home if somebody rang the doorbell. You know, like it, it was that bad. I was that embarrassed of my house. You know, so my dining room, which was the first room that people saw, the table was generally completely covered. The floor had stuff all over it. You know, it wasn't a foot deep, like it was in that one room that was completely out of control, but it was embarrassing. Very embarrassing to me.
1: Although that word embarrassing is interesting because mm-hmm. that's that's social judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Embarrassment is an emotion that is coming from ways that are different with how we wish to be perceived versus how we think we are being perceived. I mean, did it occur to you at some point in there that maybe it's like, well, I could have people over anyway? I mean, as long
2: as they sit on a chair? <laughs> no. No. Okay. It was bad enough that... I have come a long way. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I've come a long way in that I, my house is under control. I could it's still like my kitchen right now. It's messy. <laughs> but if somebody said they were coming over, give me three minutes and I would have it back in. Our, but it's nowhere near where it was back then. So it's been what I've been doing this for 13 years or something. My house is very, very changed. I have also changed in my perspective of understanding how important it is to have people in my house, even when it's not perfect. You know what I mean? Like I have changed a lot in that. And so I now am like, come on in. It does not have to be perfect. And yet this place that I was at, somebody telling me, and I heard that many times, like, oh, just show people how you really live. And I was like, yeah, then if you're saying that, you don't understand what it's actually like. Like it was that bad. I mean, to the point where... The thought would cross my mind. I had young children at the time. The thought would cross my mind that on the wrong day, the wrong person coming in, it made me concerned that someone would report me. You know what I oh, mean? Wow. Yeah. That may be me being dramatic, but those were thoughts that crossed my mind. You know, and it, it wasn't, I could get it to where I could have people over, but again, it was basically shoving tons and tons of stuff in the master bedroom, which meant that the master bedroom, I mean, it wasn't until probably the last several years that I've felt comfortable just leaving that door open, partly just from kind of, I don't want to say trauma response, but you know, like a, a response to like, oh no, no, that door has to always be closed. But because that was the dumping ground all the time. And so it always had piles of things that needed to be dealt with.
1: I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who can relate to this. Mm-hmm. And and one of the, we want to do this, episode just to give people sort of practical tips, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, here, Dana has reached rock bottom with her, you know, stuff everywhere feeling like, you know, her house might be reported or something. And yet you came up with very practical ways mm-hmm. to start making things better. So we, we're not doing a full Marie Kondo, get everything out of the house, I don't know, on the front lawn or something. We ditched 90% of it. I'm like the opposite of that. But yeah, i <laughs> felt like the opposite of that. Yeah. In fact, yeah. um, before we go to our ad break, I want to talk with the one of the first things you tell people to do, which is to do your dishes. Now, maybe you can back up because I, I heard this and I was like, do people not
2: do their dishes mm-hmm. every day? Like, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, there's a lot of people who don't do their dishes every day. So here's basically what it came down to is I'm an overthinker. So I would look at a few dishes in the sink. And if it even registered that they were there, my thought process was, okay, I am a busy person. I've got a lot going on. I don't have time to stop and do the dishes right now. I'm going to wait till there's enough to really make it worth my time. Well, the next time it even registered in my brain that there were dishes, it was up over the top of the sink. And I was like, I'm a really busy person. I don't have time to do all those dishes. I'm going to have to wait until I have time. Well, the next time it ever registered, they were covering all the counters and I was washing a single fork to be able to eat dinner. And it was like between the two inches of water between the Bottom of the faucet and the top of the dishes. I mean, like that, that I call it slob vision, you know, (laughs) because like I don't see incremental mess. I see perfectly clean. I see overwhelmingly messy, but I don't see what's happening in between. But I knew that whenever I said I'm going to get my house clean, I started in the kitchen because the kitchen was always a disaster. It makes sense to start in there. And then it would take me hours to get through the kitchen. And then I would never get to the rest of the house. And so when I was at rock bottom and I was like, I, don't even know what to do. I just said, I know that people whose houses are under control don't have kitchens like mine. Like Their kitchens are under control if you randomly stop by their house. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to try to keep the dishes then. And doing that helped me realize... Like Only after doing them every day did I realize one day's worth of dishes only takes like 10 minutes. I didn't know that because in my brain, I thought doing the dishes is an hours-long task because I was catching up. And so if I did the math, then it was like, well, if it takes 5 hours to do the dishes after 5 days, then it takes an hour every day to to do dishes, right? Like that's just logic, except that's not how it works, right? Like 10 minutes to do one day's worth of dishes. But then the second day, if I put it off, takes at least an hour. And then the third day takes hours because... I now I'm having to shift up all these things around and move it you know, so it's not just a simple process anymore, but I didn't know that till I was doing them every day, so once I started doing them every day, I was like, Oh, this is how people do it. <laughs> you know it's a quick little task, but I didn't know that because I always put it off.
1: Got it, so do your dishes every day that yes. is the first first
2: step right, where the whole house d- yeah, I'm yes, sorry we'll, Go ahead. <laughs> it does we'll,
1: we'll take a quick ad break, yeah. and we will be right back talking yeah. about more tips to have a neater house in twenty twenty three all right, well, we are back with Dana K. White, who is the author of several books on cleaning and decluttering. She is known as a slob comes clean online. Not so sure about the word slob, neither of us are, but uh, <laughs> that was that was how it I've how it began at me- yeah. how it began at the beginning. So we're going to do the dishes every day. And once we have those sort of little things to keep things from getting out of control,
2: it sort of has a flywheel effect, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, like when you go back to the reason I started with dishes is that I knew I always started in my kitchen and it always took me hours in my kitchen. Well, once the dishes and therefore the kitchen were not out of control anymore, then it's like I could move on to the next thing so much more quickly. And so because of that change, that's where my house really started to change. And also is a thing too, that the person who's overwhelmed and has never felt successful in this before, like I was, it gave me a place to start. Because before I would do a little bit here, do a little bit there. Well, that didn't change my house. And so, okay, well, I better come up with a new plan. But knowing, oh, no, the dishes, if I can just keep the dishes done, it gave me a place whenever I felt overwhelmed, just do the dishes. And there's something about that, that really, you know, bled into the, to the rest of the house. Exactly, exactly. So another
1: tip that you share, which mm-hmm. by the way, she shares these great short YouTube videos. So if you are looking for motivation to get your house under control, you should check out Dana K. White's YouTubes. They are awesome. One of your tips you had, uh, and the struck out as me, is declutter your dishes until they fit in the cabinet, which is really kind of part of a larger theme mm-hmm. of cabinet space or containers. Yes. And I wonder if you could talk about this concept of the container defining the amount, because I think that's a pretty revolutionary yeah. concept for a lot of people too.
2: Yeah, so this is one of those core Well, it really is the core concept of everything that I teach because it was transformative for me and for my home and how I saw my stuff. And ultimately, every decluttering question that I am asked, my answer starts out with, well, it all comes down to the container concept. You know, I mean, this is the thing. So, what I'm talking about is I was decluttering one day and I was talking to myself because that's what I do. And I said the word container and I was like, wait, contain. I always thought of containers as the thing that organized people like. They buy lots of them. They make their house look pretty. I would buy containers because I wanted to be like someone else's house. I wanted my house to be like that. I would bring the containers in and my space never looked like that. And I was, I didn't know what was wrong. Well, when I realized that containers are meant to contain, they're meant to serve as a limit. They're a boundary. I was like, oh, this is how. Their containers make their house look nice and my containers just keep it messy because I would basically fill a container. I still had stuff that I wanted to keep. And so then I would buy another container and then another container and then another container. And then I would go to put those containers on the shelf and they wouldn't fit on the shelf. And I would think, oh my word, why is this so hard for me? And it seems so easy for everybody else. And so then I would buy another shelving unit, you know, and eventually I basically didn't have any room in my house for the stuff. And so when I realized, oh, a container's purpose is to be a limit, then it helped me say, okay, I'm going to fill this container by putting my favorite things in first. And once it's full, there is something about that impersonal boundary making the decision for me that helped me let go of things and helped me identify, oh, yeah. Out of all of these items like crayons or pens or whatever, these are my favorite. I technically don't need these other 300 or whatever that I have. You know like those I think this is enough. What's in the container is enough and it the container made that decision and so I apply that to everything in my house. Every shelf is a container, every drawer is a container, every closet, every space, my house itself is a container. And when I view it that way, then I let the boundaries make those decisions and that frees me to make real progress.
1: And part of that progress, another tip that mm-hmm. you give your listeners and viewers is to create a donate spot. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could talk about how that is a small habit, a small change that, that people could make that, that might help
2: them make real progress on, on the decluttering front. Yeah, so I, you know, at one point I thought, I will declutter my house and then I will be done and I will never have to declutter again. And that's what most people who are overwhelmed to clutter, they just think there will come a time where I'm done with this. Well, as I decluttered and kept decluttering and then life kept happening and then I kept having to declutter more, I realized the reason some people's houses don't have clutter is because they're always decluttering. Like that's just reality. And realizing that sounds like it could be defeating. And yet it's actually a relief to realize, oh, okay, it's not that I failed because new stuff has come in my house. It's just that in order to have a house that's under control, I constantly have to be getting rid of stuff. And so realizing that made me decide I want to just live a life of constantly getting rid of things. And because of that... You know, it helps to have a donate spot where everybody in the family knows where that is. And as my family saw me getting rid of stuff that they once thought I would never get rid of, then they started to change their relationship with their stuff. And we just, as a family, as something came along that it was like, oh, these pants aren't great, or this toy is, you know, I'm not really playing with this anymore. I don't, you know, I've outgrown this. Okay, well, there's a donate box. So everybody knows where that is. And it just becomes part of that family dynamic of this is what we do. We get rid of stuff and having that allows that to happen easily.
1: And the donate box is only part of it, right? Because oh yeah, yeah well, another one of your tips that, and I've done this too, and I'm sure many people have, you said, throw the pin away. <laughs>
2: so yeah, if maybe go into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's funny how much this impacts people because I, we're talking about a pen, but we're really talking about a whole way of thinking about your stuff. You know, is this how many times have I in my lifetime tried to write with a pen? It didn't work and I stick it back in the drawer. Either because it's automatic or because I'm thinking, well, if one day if I was really desperate, then I would, you know, run it under hot water, you know, whatever it is that I might be able to do or find some YouTube video that shows me how to revive dead pins or I don't know. So that mentality of just automatically keeping versus in this moment, when I realize this item is not useful, going ahead and getting rid of it. I'm going to go ahead and throw it away immediately. And it's a mindset that is easy to identify and practice with pens. that then starts to change how I think about all of my stuff. But for right now, just throw away the pen. Just make a decision. Over the course of 2023, that if you come across a pen that is not working, instead of putting it in the drawer, just throw it away. Make that small decision, and that will incrementally start to change your house, but also start to change how you think about stuff. Yeah, it's not going to magically write in the future. Like you I know, let go and of I, that hope, <laughs> but I really thought that. I, I mean, I, I didn't really think that, but you know what I mean. Like, I, the action I was taking showed that that was what I was thinking. Yeah.
1: You are known for your two decluttering questions. So, so mm-hmm. once we've started throwing away our pen, we're doing our dishes, you know, we got our donate spot. As you are maybe attacking some of the more problematic areas in the house, as you are going through the piles of stuff, there are two questions that you ask yourself about every object. I wonder if you could talk about those with us.
2: I have seen lists of 10, 12 decluttering questions. And that's kind of a lot of questions. (laughs) I mean, I feel like people are just coming up with a printable, right? (laughs) But I've I've seen those lists and I was always like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you had grandmas such and such that you were trying to make some big decision about, okay, I can see that. But I had so much stuff in my house. My house was so out of control that I was like, I got to do this quickly. And so as I was decluttering, I didn't decide ahead of time as I was just trying to figure it out and getting stuff out of my house. I came up with two questions that allowed me to make super fast, non-emotional progress. Because if I let myself ask questions like, Do I need this? Will I ever use this? Is this valuable? I'm going to keep everything. Like That's why I had it all in my house, right? So I had to come up with very practical ways to make fast decisions. So the first question is... If I needed this item, where would I look for it first? Okay, now the key there is the word "would," not the word "should." If I and people accidentally ask "should," sometimes, like if you start asking yourself, "Where should this go?" Well, if you already knew where it should go, then it's already there, right? Like you can just take it there. But as long as you're looking at this item and you're just like, "I,", I, I then I ask myself the question: Where would I look for this first? Like literally. If I was looking for, I'm looking around at my desk right now, this microphone stand, where's the first place in my house that I would look? What's the first cabinet that I would open? Whatever. In the moment. Not that I am confident it's going to be there, but just where would I look first? And then I take it there right now. And that is actually the key to my decluttering process. So my decluttering process is designed to make progress and only progress and never cause you to end up with a bigger mess as you get distracted. I mean, especially young moms, right? Like, If you have kids, distractions are guaranteed. Like, That's the one thing in your life that's guaranteed is you're going to have to stop in the middle of something. Well, in that whole pull it out, all out process that a lot of people recommend for decluttering, which I do not recommend, then you've pulled everything out or you've set things aside or you've decided what you're going to do with something and you put it in a pile to do later because you think you're being more efficient. But then life happens and you either have to ask yourself that question again or that stuff is outside the space. So anyway, so the take it there now is key. So like, as I have an answer to where would I look for this first, I take it to that place right now. It forces me to deal with reality because maybe that place actually already has six of this same item or whatever. But I am doing that. And so that at any moment when I get distracted, that I've only made progress because that item is there. I haven't left anything in a halfway thing. If I can't answer that first question, if I'm like, uh," then I ask myself the second question, which is if I needed this item, would it ever occur to me that I already had one? Because I didn't have a place I would go looking for it because it would never occur to me that I had one, which means if I needed it, I would have gone out and bought another one, would have ordered one, I would have done without. But as long as I just keep things, because I think, oh, well, but I might need it someday. If I didn't know that I had it, so I wouldn't have gone looking for it, then I'm just going to end up with more of those same things in my house. And so I put the value on the space being functional and decluttered, as opposed to the potential cost of me having to go out and replace this item at some point.
1: And when I read your books, those questions struck me as very useful and particularly the idea of taking it where it needs to go now because then that skips over the whole existence of these intermediate piles. Yes, yes. And I
2: think the piles is where a lot of people get tripped up, right? Yeah, I mean that's that is people's number one frustration with decluttering. It's the number one reason people put off decluttering is because it feels like, well, from the experience they've had in the past, like what always gets worse before it gets better. So I don't want to start right now because I don't know for sure that I can finish. And especially when you have young kids, you're like, well when am I ever going to know that I can finish? You know, oh, I'm gonna have to wait until the kids are at camp or I'm gonna have to wait until my mom takes them for a weekend or I'm gonna have to wait till they start school or whatever. I mean, like that is how the brain goes. And so you just keep putting it off. It gets more overwhelming. Then that makes you feel like you need even more time. So it's just this, this process that happens Wherein when you are taking it there right now, that allows you to say, I can declutter for two minutes, five minutes, an hour. And as long as I'm taking it there right now, I can stop at any point and I don't have those piles. I don't have a box, a keep box. You know, I mean, if you've seen, I don't actually get on TikTok, but I hear from people, they're like, oh, people are talking about doom boxes on TikTok. And I'm like, yeah, those are former keep boxes where people were just like, yeah, I, I do want this. And so I stick it in a keep box. Well, if you have a keep box, what does that mean? It doesn't actually mean anything. It's not decluttered because it doesn't have a, An actual home. It has to either have an actual home in my house or it has to leave. And the way I determine the home is where I would look for it first. And then by taking it there now, I embrace the reality of that space where, as long as it's kind of an ambiguous idea in my head of, oh, yeah, yeah, I would look for this first in the master bathroom. Well, by taking it there now, then I'm actually acting on that and finding out, oh, there is a place for it here. Or, you know what I mean? Or I already have six. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and I think the reason people resist that is you're like, well, it sounds like I'm going to be climbing the stairs constantly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay, who among us does not need more steps in right. our lives? Like, just you know, put on your pedometer and be happy about the fact that you're going up and down the stairs ten times, yeah. as opposed to you know, you maybe get to skip the gym that day. So you, yeah, up. And some it doesn't have to be right one there. item at a
2: time. Like you can take anything that you can carry in your hands, not in another thing that goes on that direction to that but you know i hear from people all the time who say i didn't think i could do that because physical limitations blah 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 and yet when i did it the reality of actually being finished with a few small things as opposed to halfway done and messier because i started this big huge project and then ran out of energy i get so much farther when i take it there now like it just it works it works yeah. it works
1: so this was a particular question that my co-host wanted to make sure I asked, mm-hmm. which is if you have tips for helping kids organize and declutter. Yes. Or is that is that doing stuff for other people that we we just cannot do? I, I don't know. What, what well, what's your Well, I mean,
3: I think
2: with kids it's a different story, right? Because you are the you're the grown-up. You know, you're the director of these kinds of things. And so so yeah, absolutely. I do think it's important to distinguish between decluttering and organizing because it feels like they're the same thing, but they're not the same thing. And what I experienced was just decluttering is what changed my house. Because when I had had this idea that I needed to get organized, then I was thinking of systems and things to implement and I wasn't actually getting started where when I just said, I'm just gonna get rid of stuff, that's when my house started to change and ended up functioning the way I had envisioned when I thought I needed to get organized just by getting the excess out of there. So with kids, that's especially important to say, we're not going to have big dreams of how this is going to look in the end. We're just going to go in and we're going to start through the decluttering process. And my decluttering process works really well with other people because it doesn't deal with emotions or value. It's basically just, we're going to deal with the realities of this space, which means there's not a power struggle that goes on. So start with, you know my first step is trash. Just start with trash and let them identify the trash which is hard as a mom to not be like, oh my word, that is trash right there. But like, let them do that. Say, let's just get rid of the trash. Okay, then the next step is the easy step. Is there anything in your space that actually goes somewhere else in the house? Let's get that out of here. And every time you get something out, that feeling of being overwhelmed lessens a little bit. You're seeing some progress. And then asking those two decluttering questions. So within this room or wherever, where would you look first for your... Lego Batman, you know, okay, I would look for him in that container. We're going to take it there right now. And just going through this process helps them really start to see how this is supposed to work because kids, they may not understand all of that. But the the beauty of the container concept is how well it works with kids and other people. And that is, okay, you love your stuffed animals. Nobody's going to say that any of these stuffed animals are not valuable because that will guarantee... I mean, that's guaranteed to make your kid hold on to it tighter, right? Like, they, you know, they love these stuffed animals. Great. Absolutely. This is the space that we have for stuffed animals. This is the shelf that we have. So put your favorite ones on there first. And that's fun, right? Like, it's fun to pick your very favorite ones, put them on the shelf. And as you do that, then casually mention that if whatever doesn't fit, we'll have to get rid of, you know, but let's just focus on putting your favorite ones in there first. And the container concept lets, every answer be yes, which is the beauty of it. So you don't have to have the conversation where you're trying to say, but you never play with this, but blah, blah. You don't have to do that. You get to say, put your favorite ones on there first. And then if they come up with other ones, and now it's full and they say, oh, but I love this one. The answer is yes. You can absolutely keep that. What are you willing to get rid of that's on the shelf so we can make the space for you to put it on the shelf, right? Okay. So it's like, what can we take away to give space for this item And then if they say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm so sorry. It is so hard. I know. But I have to keep it. Okay, then what are you willing to get rid of? Like, it's always a yes. And then if they say, but mom, I want to keep all of my stuffed animals. You say, sure, you can do that. So are you, what other, you know, do you want to get rid of your racetracks or your, I don't know, my kids are older now, but you know, like your um, Legos or something, you know, what are you willing to get rid of so that we can have more space for stuffed animals? Because it's the space that is making those hard calls and not you as the mom. Does that make sense? And it works amazingly well with kids. Like it worked when my kids were little and I hear from people on a pretty much daily basis who are like, I didn't think this would actually work with my kid who tends to hold on to everything. And yet it does because the container just naturally sorts out in a fun way, honestly, what they love and what they don't love as much.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would throw in here that you could have a few extra containers in the kids' room. I mean, you know, we don't have to make it look like a
2: magazine, right? Like it doesn't have to be a minimalist paradise. Cause I am not a minimalist by any (laughs) means, (laughs) but it is the space determines. And that the reality there is that the room itself is a container and they need play space first. And so it's like, give them space, but it's not that you can't add another container. And yet, if, adding another container means that there's no room to play, then that defeats the purpose of this space, right? So letting those containers be the decision makers, that's, it's huge.
1: Dana, we always end with a love of the week. Something that is working for us right now in our lives, I can go first so that, you know, we can, um, (laughs) I'm really appreciating that, we have sort of six drawers on the side of our kitchen cupboard which is where you would normally have a junk drawer which you know I'm sure the whole thing in the decluttering world when people have hard feelings about junk drawers or whatever I have one but we can actually have six random drawers. Uh-huh. So now things that might have gone in there are sort of spread out into each of these drawers and so it makes it easier to have a bit more function from. So we have a drawer that has the flashlights and batteries. And a drawer that has the art supplies that the kids use in the kitchen and a drawer with the little plastic baggies for making lunches. <laughs> you know, you see how this is going. Yeah. And it's, it's great. It's been really functional. So I'm, I've been
2: glad for that, that element of kitchen design. How about you? What's working for you right now? Well, I hate to mention an expensive thing, but it was an investment, you know, that I it took me years to decide. And I'm like, oh, no, I love it. And that's my uh, robot vacuum. Ooh. Yeah. I had not had one for a long time. And then I got one and I got like the cheaper version that I was gonna have to remember to start it. And then I was gonna have to remember to empty it. And then it just kind of sat there and I never did much with it, you know. And so I finally was like, I think there was a sale at one point and I was like, I think I'm gonna do this. The one that has a its own um vacuum bag where it like empties itself and And it's honestly and and I I got it and I did not know how much I would love it. We have a German Shepherd, they shed like crazy, you know, and it's like, oh wow, my house looks so much better because it's, you know, going three times a week. And you can set it to start when you leave the house, which is crazy to me. Like I didn't know all this. But I, I will say the one thing, I am anti notifications on my phone. Like I do not like notifications. And so I always say no when they say, Do you want us to send you notifications? And yet I went back and changed that because it is very helpful for them to say, oh, Dusty got stopped and he got stuck somewhere. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So that has been a worthy notification for me that's been helpful. But yeah, that has really been fantastic. And I have to say, as the person who 13 years ago loved the idea of a robot vacuum and yet was scared because my house was always such a disaster that I was like, that wouldn't even work. It also is kind of a, yeah, I can totally do this now. And this is amazing.
1: You have floors that actually could be vacuumed, yeah, exactly. which is a, a major breakthrough. It uh, is, you know? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Awesome.
2: All right. Well, people want it. There you go. The testament for the uh, robot vacuum there.
1: Uh, well, Dana, thank you so much for coming on the program. Can you just let our listeners know where they can find you?
2: So I'm all over the internet. <laughs> As Dana K. White, you can look up aslobchemsclean.com. That's where you basically would find all of my home base information.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining
2: us. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, that was great. It's always fun to hear tips that are practical, that can make a big difference, don't seem like they're so insurmountable that you know we won't even start them. I'm gonna actually have a cleaner house in 2023. I have resolved to throw away pens that don't work. When I discover that they don't work, they should go in the trash can, not back in the drawer. I think that's an excellent mindset in general. So, Sarah, can you read our listener question for this week?
3: Yes. She writes, I know you've covered this topic a bit before, but I've been reading your blog and Lag Live, that's one of our prior guests and somebody who wrote a post on this topic, over and over again, as well as random message boards about having a third child. But now, five years on from having three, that's in my case, how do you find it? She writes, I know the logical answer is wait until I have two. This person is currently pregnant with her second and has a child at home. And while I'm fortunate to be expecting that second baby, the planner in me really craves a better idea of whether this is going to be my last pregnancy or not. I'm not someone who seems to be naturally fertile, or rather I have to stop running entirely to do so, which I guess isn't much compared to what some people must go through, but it feels like a lot to me. Also, I adore my son, but the sleepless nights were very long, and we still aren't always assured a restful night nearly two years in. Finally, we're in daycare and the relentless illnesses while both working full-time has been much harder than I had accounted for. I worry having a third will mean I won't have as much time for the older kids again when I feel like we'll be in a sweet spot. My oldest is very amenable to outings and a sweet-natured kid. I worried if we do stop at two, will my heart always long for that third that never was and are all the above reasons really that much of a challenge in the bigger picture?
1: Oh my goodness. (laughs) Lots to unpack there. I would say People have heard me say this on the podcast before. This is probably one of the most common questions we get. And I don't know if it's because Sarah and I both do have more than two kids. And so it's something that people do bring up. But the question of whether people, it's generally whether people should have a third kid. We, we don't get a whole lot of questions like, should I have a fourth or fifth kid? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe at that point, people aren't writing into podcast hosts about that question. But we do get the question fairly frequently of, should I have a third kid? Which, of course, we cannot answer for any of you. That is absolutely up to you and you know your partner, if you have a partner, to make that decision. That said, a few thoughts. Sarah, you want to dive yeah. into
3: that one? Yeah. <laughs> so I like tangentially, I don't know this person, but I've known her over the years. And I, I know she loves to plan, but I would advise... This is one of those cases I really just don't think it's time to plan yet. I would advise against planning. There's just too many variables to spend energy worrying about when you're just pregnant with number two. And I just don't think there's really much of a downside to just trying to leave things open in your mind. Or maybe if you do feel like you need a plan, make a plan to weigh the pros and cons when your second kid is of a certain age. Like, I'm not going to think about it now, but this will be something to revisit when my younger child turns two. Because honestly. I didn't even want a third (laughs) kid when Cameron was one years old. I was like, "Ah, we're good. And it wasn't until later. So I guess I just don't think I would trust what your feelings are going to be in the future. It may become very, very obvious in one direction or another. And so this is like wasted kind of fretting. And then the other thing I'll mention is, you know, you mentioned stopping running to get pregnant. I will put a gentle who cares on that. And I know like, I needed to hear that myself when I was having very similar issues. I also, for my first pregnancy, really needed to stop running very much to get pregnant. It wasn't really the case with my other two, but I wasn't running that much. And I don't think this person is a pro runner. I am certainly not a pro runner. And so if you want another baby, the temporary pause in your running is just in the grand scheme of things, it's just no big deal. Like, who cares? Maybe your combo back won't be as strong. Like, It just doesn't matter. And I've learned that as an older, wiser, slower person, and I'm enjoying running more now and wherever it takes me, it'll take me. But like what I was going to run back in 2015, my 2022, 2023 me, like who cares? That was over. And if you want another baby, that should take priority in my opinion. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I was just thinking about that. It, it could be a similar situation with you, too. I mean, that you were running so much when you were trying to get pregnant with Annabelle while well, you first. Like, again, like by the time you have a toddler, like there just isn't as much time available for the intense running training. So she may actually not have the same issue. I mean, I don't know. I'm not her. I don't know her, don't know her medical issues or whatever, but uh, that actually may not come up at all. I don't know. You could try. And then if it's not happening after a month or two, then scale back on the running or whatever. In the grand scheme of things, that probably won't happen all that much. But yeah, no, I I wasn't sure that this was uh, uh, – it was just funny. It was – we don't know if anyone should have a third kid or not. But I thought it was funny to ask the question of Sarah, like, five years in, are you happy you didn't what's she going to say? Like (laughs) –
3: I'm super happy I did it, but I do think that people <laughs> who ask that question of people who have more than three kids, they they want a certain answer and I'm happy to provide it. I'm so glad that, that we had a third kid. I actually, I do think it's like a level of chaos that I enjoy or a level of challenge and a level of camaraderie in the family that is a lot of fun. And I am pretty... It's hard to know, but I think that I would be sad about not have having, like if we had chosen not to do it or if we were unable to have a third, I think I would have been kind of sad about it. So yeah, if that helps, I'm glad to share it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm now just recognizing she's already pregnant with number two. So maybe she did have to stop running to get pregnant with number two. I'm thinking back here. I'm like, wait a minute. No, I I messed up that uh, order of things. But I have
3: friends who had like two IVF babies and then one surprise baby. So you also never know what will happen.
1: You never know. Yeah. But I assume, yes, that if she was writing to you about it, then she probably does, in fact, think she would like to have a third kid. But it's the kind of thing that's hard to know. I mean, yeah, number two, things may go differently than you anticipate, in which case that may be something that you no longer want to pursue, or maybe so go a different way. And not only do you want number three, you want number four and five. So who knows? We'll hear back from her in a couple of years, perhaps. But uh, very much an individual question for anyone. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds. I was interviewing Dana K. White about how to have a neater home in 2023. We will be back next week with more on making
3: work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram.
1: And you can find me, Laura, at lauravanderkam.com. This has been the best of both worlds podcast. Please join us next time. For more on making work and life work together.
2: It's brand new season two.